There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everyone, and welcome to History Dweebs. I'm Tim, and I'm joined today by the very honorable... Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, Timmy, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I could be working on a car at home. Uh, my son got a new car. He's got some parts that need to put on it, but I came down here, so they got me out of doing it. Oh, well, that's good. You're very dedicated, unlike... Um well, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, no, name let's names. Name names. You, Brittany well, ain't here. The brown eyed devil ain't here. But you know, it's probably for the best, Timmy. Why? Why is that, Colonel? Well, this is kind of a. This is a complicated thing here. You got the business plot. You got you got Smedley Butler. It's, there's a lot of nuance, a lot of subtlety, a lot of critical thinking um, required. Criti- oh, critical thinking skills retire- required for this topic. And you're, right. And you're saying that. Perhaps our That's our, our fellow that. our fellow our colleagues on the panel probably this is maybe over their head. That is not really their wheelhouse, Timmy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got Brittany, and Brittany has some you know very she's nice young lady, a sweet girl, sweet girl, um, and she has some insights as to what young people might think. Yeah. Um, now the brown eyed devil, um, it's it, sometimes where, it's where, like where, 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 how would you identify her strengths? Her strengths are uh, well. She scares people. Oh uh, well, she that's a, that, that can come in handy. Um, but she oftentimes and and have you ever been to a Pentecostal revival, Timmy? Occasionally, I like to go to a Pentecostal. Yeah, revival. where people break out into speaking of tongues. Yeah. And often when she's talking, mm-hmm. I think she's speaking in tongues because ain't <laughs> nobody can make a damn bit of sense out of what the girl's saying. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, so Brandy and Brittany are off. We'll stay on assignment today, probably like making cookies or something. They like should that. be making cookies. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brittany, she uh, hopefully finding a husband somewhere yeah, and a brown-eyed devil. Yeah. Well, Brittany's probably hungover. Well, Brittany hungover, yeah. yeah. She, she's hungover. She's still in bed. It's yeah. noon. She's still in bed. She yeah. not got out yet. Okay, so um, today's topic is an interesting topic, and it's a... Um, Subject that um, is, is as, as the colonel said, it's pretty um, detailed and it's really in depth. So we're going to try to hit, get, hit all the highlights of it for you. But it's a um, the topic for today is the business plot. And it was a political conspiracy in 1933 um, to overthrow the United States government, the civilian government, um, of course, um, headed by President 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1933. And the basis of the plot was that uh, President Roosevelt, as you know, came into office in 1932 during the Great Depression. And he made some uh, a lot of changes uh, because uh, people were desperate. People were, there was high unemployment. It was at twenty five percent. You know, people were uh, starving, so they they were desperate for change. And he came in. He came into office promising change. Uh, he moved the uh, United States off the gold standard, which was very controversial at the time and was not well received with the uh, well-to-do and the wealthy businessmen in the country. Well, and you know what? It's not well received by the well-to-do because well-to-do owned all the gold. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it also made the um, uh, uh, Great Britain and other countries had already moved off the gold standard, and they were able to uh, uh, now compete with the United States uh, in in goods and services and and, uh, in trade. So the... um, this did not go over well at all with, with the wealthy. And they feared that the United States was sliding toward a, a socialism or communism. So a number of wealthy businessmen, and we're going we're to name names here in a bit, but a number of them reached out to a retired Marine Corps major general named of Smedley Butler. Now, we talked a couple you know, a few podcasts back, General, how no one, uh, most people, never heard of Gavriel Princip, the man who shot the uh, uh, heir to the Austrian-Hungarian throne, uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, in, in 1914. It's triggered World War One, and how he was an important figure in history that most people don't even, never even heard of. Well, I would say the same thing about General uh, Major General Smedley Butler. Not too many people have heard that name or know who. No, he is. And, and you know it's amazing. There should be schools named after the man. And and if you didn't even have the business plot, Timmy, mm-hmm. there should be schools named after the man for just for what he did for the country in wartime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy fought all over the world. And and, and a couple of things that as you listen, he was a hero. This, he was a hero before before this before business this. Plot. This all came after his career. And, yeah, and and. Uh, a couple of things to bear in mind. This is not a crazy conspiracy theory, right? This has been proven to actually have happened. Yeah, and they, it was there were congressional hearings on it. There was testimony taken, and we'll get into we'll get yeah. into all that. But let's talk about first to know um, to, to, to why um, these businessmen uh, reached out to um, retired Marine Corps General, Major General. Smedley Butler to to get him to lead them uh, to lead this plot. Tell us a little bit about the uh, general. And the general, I mean, you could do a whole show on the general. He really deserves. He really had a fascinating career. And and, uh, this guy was he was thirty four years in the Marines. He is the only well, not only he's he's one of the few. I think there was about eighteen nineteen to receive the Medal of Honor twice. And and this is something I'll clear up with people. Um, people will call this the Congressional Medal of Honor. It mm-hmm. is not the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's a Medal of Honor. It is only given by the President on behalf of Congress. But it is called by the military and by anybody who receives it the Medal of Honor. Yeah, because you see it referred to as both. As a Congressional yeah. Medal of Honor. Right. Congress has nothing to do with it. Okay. The President awards this thing. Um, he, he got two of them. He got two of them. Now, there's a man who fought... And, and later on in his career, 
um, he he became um, he became oh who was Wesley Clark mm-hmm. a little Wesley Clarkish mm-hmm. and uh, you know they say the guys who fight the wars are the guys who never want to fight the wars again mm-hmm. and uh, he fought in Spain he fought in the Philippines he fought in the Boxer Rebellion he fought in the Banana Wars he fought down in Honduras he fought in Nicaragua he fought in Panama he fought in Mexico he fought in Haiti. I mean, this was a guy, and the reason he he fought he, he fought all these places, and the reason that they came to him for this business plot was because he was so well loved. He by, was revered, revered by. The he church. was revered because if if you know, and we again we could do another topic on this, but you had the World War bonus men mm-hmm. who didn't who were not treated well when they came back here. You know, they were putting up tent cities everywhere. Right, and then. During the war, the uh, Congress passed the uh, war World War Adjusted Compensation Act of 1924 to give a bonus to uh, all those veterans who served in the First World War, and it was to be um, a bonus was uh, to be uh, given out um, no earlier than 1925, no later than 1945. Uh, but uh, when in the depth of the Depression, when they, they, we had so many unemployed. Um, uh, the uh, veterans marched on Washington uh, uh, to petition Congress to release their compensation in 1932, uh, and they sent up these tent cities. Um, and uh, and Butler openly supported these men. He did. He spoke at that, and and he was loved. He was loved for that. He but was, and so they 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 came, and and this is where. To, it's where they it, he was attractive to them, but where he, they really made the biggest mistake, because Butler was not a man of the elite. Mm-hmm. He was a man of the people. He supported the people, and when they approached him on this, um, you know, he was the wrong man to approach. And, and we'll get further into that. But um, he he was you know he won the Medal of Honor twice. He was, at the time of his death, he was the most highly decorated Marine in U.S. history. Um, you know, now look around in the country, maybe we need to Google it. I do not know where there is a Smedley Butler High School. You know? Right, exactly. I mean, we hear about George Patton, we hear about Eisenhower, you know, we hear about, yeah, all these guys. Arthur. But nobody dedicated his life to serving um, the country. You know, you put anybody up there. He joined the Marines when he was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he won a Medal of Honor before he was 20 years old. That's amazing. And, and like you yeah. said, he, he served in every military action uh, for 50 years. Yeah. I mean, if there was if there was if there were shots fired being around the world, he was there. I mean, that, right. and, not, and not just the major was. wars. We're talking about like skirmishes. You said, Haiti. Know, he was down in Mexico. Dominican he Republic. He was in the Boxer Rebellion. Right. I mean, China. Yeah. What did we have to do with the Boxer Rebellion? Right. You know, he was over there. So it's and, and, and some other things just to put some things into context with this business plot. When we're talking about fat, and, and it's kind of funny that you hear when, you know, reading about this, some of the things that the people were saying, because when they got away from the gold standard. You know the the wealthy, the elite, the the one percenters, basically. And also, um, these are people who owned the newspapers in the country, exactly, and the radio stations, exactly. In the so when he went to try to get this story out, it wasn't he. He didn't get any traction. That's why how it ended up in Congress. Um, but 
you know, number one, the the rich were not doing this to save the country from anything. What they were doing was to save their fortunes. Right. Um, they were acting on that. And number two, at that time, we had not seen the evils of fascism. You know, we have Mussolini who had taken Italy and, and a lot of these, a couple of these people that you're going to name actually made trips to Italy to see what Mussolini had done with fascism. And fascism for people who, fascism, people have a, uh, and I'm rambling here, Timmy, and I'm going to no, stop. That's, but that's okay. People have, a, people have a strange notion of fascism because of World War II mm-hmm. um, and what happened with Mussolini. With, you know, they confuse Nazism with fascism. Right. Um, fascism is basically when, when corporations control your country. That's basically what, we, what it is. Um, and, and in a strange sense, with Citizens United, we've, in a sense, kind of reached that point. Yeah, you know, we, we've kind of kind of a back uh, backdoor approach. These or, people were trying to do it illegally, mm-hmm. and over the course of uh, I don't know sixty years or whatever, they found a legal way to do it. But you know, the, again, that's off topic. But no, I think it's I think it's I think you're right, and I think it, as you mentioned, there were these scouting commissions or scouting trips to Europe to see how the fascists were came into power, and one thing they found. They had to have the support of the uh, military, military, of the military, or the retired, or the veterans. Or the, the veterans were the ones that had to, because the active military would be controlled by the veterans. Yeah, and, and the active military at the time in the United States was quite small. This was before yeah, we became a superpower. Exactly. This was before World War II. But we had a lot of veterans, and we had a lot of unemployed veterans. Yes, and we had the American Legion, mm-hmm. um, and and that's who they were really appealing to. Um, because they knew that they could get him to what they they basically believed that they would follow him blind and they would have mm-hmm. they would have followed him blindly to anything that he said and they, and they had a pretty good plan set up you know for what they wanted to do but they picked the wrong man for it because he was this guy was truly a, a, a true true American and, and I want to get into one more thing before okay. We sure. ended his business plot about um, about Smedley Butler is that he was very very bitter about mm-hmm. his war career. Mm-hmm. I mean, by 1935 he was done. He actually wrote a book um, called "War Is Racket." War is a racket, and uh, and let me give you a little quote from this okay. from this book. Okay. I spent, this is him speaking, mm-hmm. I spent 32 year, 33 years being a high-class muscle for big business, for Wall Street, and for the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer for capitalism, purifying Nicaragua for the International Banking House, Mexico for American oil interests, the Dominican Public Republic for American sugar interests. Haiti and Cuba for the National City Boys. I helped in the rape of half of a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. So this guy never really fought, other than World War One. The guy never fought in a war he believed in. Mm-hmm. He never, and when he had time to sit back and see what the U.S. government had done, and 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 this is a case of to me. And, and, you know, I tend to have a little bit of socialist leanings and left leanings, but to me, it is history repeating itself. You know, I yeah. wonder at what point he comes to that conclusion. I wonder if it was before or after this 
uh, plot. It, it really was during the, it wasn't during the plot, it was really during when he seen, there was a realization, he was a Quaker, which is odd, because he could have never fought in a war, you know, right. they're, they're pacifists. Um, but it was really, it was the uh, war, World War I veterans, um, and he saw the suffering that they were going through, he saw the wealth in the country. And he thought, you know, hey, these guys are going out there. They risk getting their ass shot off for you. What did they risk getting their ass shot off for? And then they get back here, and you ain't even going to keep your promise to them. And he became very angry with that. And then he started reflecting on his whole career and realized, I've I've just been fighting for bankers. That's what I've been doing. I've I've been a private militia for bankers. Yeah, so on, as we, we talked, a little, we referenced a little bit earlier the um, bonus uh, army march. And, and thousands of World War I veterans from all over the country came to Washington, D.C. They set up 10 cities, and they wanted our bonus. That was, that was uh, promised to them by the, by the government. The, uh, the government had promised by 1945 that the, these soldiers would receive a bonus. And um, they couldn't wait. It was nineteen, you know, thirty-two, yeah. and they were unemployed. Their families were starving, so they wanted the bonus uh, now. Um, and uh, at that point, it was President Hoover uh, would not give in. And um, as you said, uh, General Smedley Butler went to speak to um, the protesters, the veterans in, in D.C., and was very well received. He was loved by by the veteran groups. Uh, and after he spoke, a couple of days later, uh, Hoover ordered um, the tent cities removed, and they were burned down and burned out. And the man who led that um, uh, operation was Douglas MacArthur. Exactly. Um, so when um, this this idea of a business, this these businessmen got together to discuss how they could install a business friendly leader. Uh, in the White House, they saw how popular Butler was. With uh, they knew that they needed the uh, they knew they needed the support of veterans, and they saw how popular Butler was. So they put some feelers out to him to see if he would be interested in um, assisting them in in, in uh, overthrowing the civilian government of the United States. Now, as you said. What they wasn't aware of was he's already he's already opening his eyes to what's yeah. going on, and he he's seeing how he he's bitter. He was a a you know he was a Hoover supporter. He was a Republican, but when he saw what the, uh, Hoover and uh, had done to the bonus uh, army, and um, you know he at that start at that point he started to change, as you said. He started to open his eyes. So they approached him thinking, oh, this guy has went along with us all the way. He's been out front, you know, doing what we've, um, what we, you know, serving our interests all these years. So uh, he's popular with the veterans. He's a popular figure in the country. Um, Congress, two congressional medals of honor or medals of honor. So they reached out to him um, through intermediaries to see if he would be interested in uh-huh. And, and yeah, there, and there were, and, and you've got part of this, but there were nine, to put it into context, there were nine people in this, really big people in this. They were all very wealthy. But there was one that really drove it, and that was a gentleman, and I use that term loosely. 
gentleman named Gerald McGuire. And he was a bond salesman, but and he was also the former commander of the Connecticut American Legion. Now he was the one who, because he had that American Legion connection, mm-hmm. um, he was the one who felt that he was he was kind of the driving force behind this, and he was the one who felt that he could get Butler to flip if he could get Butler because of the because of the American Legion thing. And there's some of, you know, and, 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 and it's funny because, again, we talk about history repeating itself. You know, people should live to be 200 years old and we'd still be doing the same things. Mm-hmm. But the things that... Uh, but McGuire, that, McGuire was representing... Or, or, or he was representing the DuPonts. Yeah. Uh, Grayson Murphy, who was the director of Goodwood, Goodyear. Bethlehem Steel, um, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Banks, yeah. Um, you got Al Smith, who was just a bitter opponent of uh, Roosevelt. Yeah, Roosevelt. Um, uh, John Raskob, he was a DuPont officer. Uh, you got Robert Clark, who was one of Wall Street's richest bankers, and it's kind of funny because Robert Clark said. What Roosevelt intends to do is conduct a massive redistribution of wealth from the rich to the poor. He needs to be stopped at all costs before he destroys everything this country was founded on. Now, what does that sound like to you, Timmy, when I talk about history repeating itself? Yeah, it sounds pretty eerily similar. I mean, do you hear conservatives saying that about President Obama? I mean, it's something that we... The other thing they did, uh, and I said, they, you know, they, these guys owned all the newspapers, they owned all the media. And at that point, you had newspapers and you had radio stations and radio networks, a few radio networks for TV. Um, they formed something called the American Liberty League. Yeah. And exactly. this was a, uh, a who's who of wealthy uh, Americans uh, uh, who had an interest in seeing that uh, President Roosevelt uh, not serve out his full term as president. Um, it was in, now not there were 28 members or I'm sorry 24 members and most of these were a big business and, and Wall Street financiers uh, and they decided to um, assemble of our, an army of a half a million men. Now, this would um, they were largely to be composed of uh, veterans. Veterans. Yeah. So they reached out, uh, as you was, you mentioned, uh, this uh, guy named McGuire reached out on their, uh, Gerald McGuire, he reached out on their behalf on July 1st, 1933, to uh, General Butler. And they had a meeting, and they proposed, uh, they didn't, uh, they didn't, um, uh, I've come out right out and say, "Hey, we want you. We want to install you as the new uh, leader of the country, or we want to install you in a fascist regime." They kind of uh, they told him at first they wanted to meet. They wanted him to do some speaking and to, to, to get the support of 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 the um, uh, veterans and speak to the American Legion convention. And so. But he got suspicious when McGuire gave Butler a, a speech that he proposed Butler deliver to the convention that urged the uh, convention, the American Legion Convention, to adopt a resolution calling for the United States to return to the gold standard, right. which, um, which Butler thought rather odd. 
Um, so, but he he played alone, and he kept meeting with uh, with this McGuire character, um, and uh, on after a few meetings, the McGuire, you know, basically told him what they wanted to do, and and that was that he wanted um, they wanted. Uh, they would raise an army of, of uh, veterans, 500,000 veterans, uh, that would be led by uh, General Butler. And what would the plan was is that... Which the, would have been larger than our standing army. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think our standing army was like 300,000 mm-hmm. or something at the time. Um and the plan was pretty simple. They, the, the, these gentlemen who owned uh, the, the radio stations and the newspapers, they were going to start some rumors about uh, President Roosevelt's failing health and how he was not up to the job. And they were actually planning to go to him and tell him that he was going to have to um, allow... Um, this to take place, and um, if he didn't, he would act. You know, he would he would have uh, been ousted either way. But and they would have installed not as president, but they would install um, General um, Butler as um, the. I believe forget the title they had. Was it secretary? It was a committee that they, and I have in my notes here, it was a committee that they were going to create. Let me see if I can find it here. But basically, he was going to be calling the shots, and the the president was going to be a figurehead, uh, Secretary of General Affairs. And and Roosevelt would would could stay in his position, but he would pretty much be a, a, a figurehead, and Butler would be the real man in in charge. Um, so Butler, again, Butler, you know, he's taken all this in, not because he wants to, he's thinking of participating in this endeavor, but he wanted to get more information so that he could kind of blow the cover off of this, basically a coup, uh, a planned coup to overthrow the government of the United States. Well, and he couldn't, he just couldn't hear what he was, um, believing and and here's here's something that that McGuire said that was kind of funny um, when he was talking. Butler's like, you know, the, I, I'm not sure this is going to work. I mean, this kind of kind of iffy. And, and the plan was, as you said, at the national convention, they put three, four hundred uh, uh, veterans in there. They start raising a fuss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Smedley, uh, uh, you know, Butler, I'm sorry, Smedley Butler, starts to, then he makes his speech and everybody, you know, it, it gains all kinds of momentum. And it's, uh, and, and it was insane. And McGuire told Butler, you know the American people will swallow it. We've got the newspapers. We'll start a campaign. And uh, the dumb and the dumb American people will fall for it in a second. Yeah, they put, they put, they put up this war hero as, uh, as the face of the movement. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and, and they finance the movement. And they it, build an army around the movement. And they... Uh, they start these rumors and they get this uh, they, they make these uh, uh, marches and all of, all of a sudden we're living in a very different world not only a different country but this was before World War II yeah so we're not an economic superpower we're not an economic superpower what would have happened to the world if we had turned fascist prior yeah. to uh, you know, the Second World War. It would have been uh, a much different, not only country, but world at that point. And, and here's a little, here, here's kind of a funny little quirk about the gold standard, too. Is that if you were in debt, now the bankers weren't in debt, they gave out debt. Mm-hmm. And you had a mortgage for $10,000. But gold, a gold coin was worth a dollar sixty nine at the time. If you wanted to pay off your mortgage, they could demand $16,900 from you. You could end up paying more back under the gold standard than you ever. You know, it was a, it was a very quirky little thing there. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was sometimes taken advantage of and, and farmers hated it. Farmers hated the gold standard. You know, because what what farmers wanted a little bit of inflation because it reduced, you know, farmers have carried the debt. Mm. Sure. For, you know, they've carried debt throughout history, and a little bit of inflation helps them because it, in, in effect, reduces their debt. But, uh, but it was, it, it's, it's pretty interesting that we, uh, we, we, and again, going back, and I know I'm going to sound like a raging liberal, but let's go back to Oliver North. Mm-hmm. What did they do there? They put the face of a scandal on a war hero. True. You know, I mean, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what we have done 
throughout our history. The government, and and you know, you you go along with 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 crazy things. And when we're talking about this, you've got eight people who say we're going to overthrow the government. We got the money to do it. We can, if we can get his support. And the only thing that stopped it, the only thing that stopped it, was not getting his support. Right. So when uh, finally, uh, you know, Butler just tells McGuire, look. What you want me to do is basically use the army to break, uh, be strike breakers, to yeah. to suppress labor, to mm-hmm. suppress the people, and install a fascist regime in uh, in power. And I'm not going to be a party to it. Yeah. So he, you know, he breaks off these talks. He thinks he's got the goods on these guys before he can uh, but, but before he can turn to uh, the government and, and uh, Roosevelt and Congress to um, you know uh, turn in this evidence against these guys, the newspapers start coming out. These rumors of this plot starts going in the newspaper. And they start treating it like a joke. They like start, a hoax. Like a hoax. Yeah. Right. And saying, you know, the New York Times reported, reports it, the Philadelphia newspapers report it, making fun of it. It's a big hoax. It's yeah. a big joke. Even though this was the same guy that they wanted to use as a face right. of the movement when uh, it suited their needs, now all of a sudden he's a crackpot. He's, right. you know, he's a loon, he's a radical. Well, um, Congress did have hearings on this in uh, 1933. Uh, they had hearings on this plot, and it was called the McCormick-Dixton Committee, and uh, they called General Butler to testify under oath. Again, this is a guy who's a, a hero with two medals of honor, um, and he basically laid it out for them. He laid everything out exactly had as... Uh, it was it was laid out to him what the plan was, uh, you know, to discredit Roosevelt, to talk about his failing health, uh, to raise this army of um, U.S. veterans, uh, these unemployed veterans, to create this army, and to install a fascist government here in the United States. And he named names. Uh, he talked about the Duponts. He talked about Al Smith. Um, the name that you that I have read, uh, I don't know if you read this, but in research that's come up several times, is that of Prescott Bush, who, of uh, course, yes. was a of senator, course. and he was uh, president of George Herbert Walker Bush, and then grandfather of George W. Bush. Um, so... These are big names involved in this um, involved in this scandal, and had the committee uh, pursued this, uh, yeah, these guys these guys could have been. And this is my question, Timmy. He goes to this in this this McCormick Dixteen committee. Um, clearly, it was a powerful committee because later it became the committee on uh, that notor- a very notorious committee on the House Un American Activities Committee with Joe McCarthy. Um, you know, with the communist right. witch hunts. And the, the purpose of the committee, to begin with, was to investigate collaboration between uh, elements of the United States government or, or elements in the United States with Nazi Germany right. or with uh, fascist Italy. And, and and here's my question to you, Tim, and, and here, is, here is the interesting part is, how many of those people were called in to testify? Uh, none. Not a one. 
Not a one of the people named by this highly decorated uh, retired major general of the Marine Corps. Um, Not one of the people he identified as uh, taking part in this treasonous plot were called to testify. Now, had they been, um, had these uh, guys been called to testify, had they been convicted of treason, they would. They could have been executed. They could have been executed. These were. These were again household names uh, that you know that we're all familiar with. So the and, committee would not call them in. And not only did they not call them in, Timmy. You know what else they did? They took the damn names out of the report. They redacted the names out yeah, of the report. Didn't even put and the this damn really name made. Oh, Mr. it burned Butler. his ass. Yeah, it he really was. made Butler mad. But. Um, I, I, I'm sure you've seen the 9/11 re- report and and, and uh, Warren Commission right. report. Exactly. How thick yep. those those mm-hmm. documents are. Yeah. Or research that. I happen to see um, a, a, a documentary on this where the uh, a reporter went to the National Archives to pull out the documents from this committee, this House Un-American Activities Committee that investigated this plot to overthrow the United States government. Pretty important topic, wouldn't you say? A little bit. I'm telling you, this looked like a notepad. Yeah, a stenopad. Yeah, a stenopad. They were probably maybe 50 pages Mm -hmm. in this this whole investigation. So, However, now, there's, there's two different reports. Mm-hmm. You had the, the you had the report that they released, but they had their own internal secret report um, that they did not redact. They did not cut stuff out. They did not take take things out, and that becomes very important later on, because in 1967 somebody got a hold of that report. Okay, and it vindicated everything that he said. There was a there was a journalist, John Spivak. Um, he uncovered the the internal secret report, and it confirmed everything Butler said. This is not a he said she said. This is not a conspiracy theory. Right. This has been confirmed. That um, it and it says in the last, there's no question. In the last few weeks of the committee's life, it received evidence showing that certain persons had attempted to establish a fascist organization in this country. There's no question that these attempts were discussed, were planned, and might have been placed in execution if the financial bankers deemed it expedient, and really if they could have got Butler to do it. Um, now, M- McGuire, of course, he denied under oath later on um, that he, uh, the, you know, anything about Butler, but of course he was going to. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, some people say, well, uh, this guy may have been a, a crackpot or whatever, but he he was in the inner circle. He was in the inner circle of the Duponts of uh, uh, of the uh, of the elite, and he told uh, he told um, General Butler. That there will be an organization forming shortly that you'll see will be the foundation for this movement. Right. And then two weeks later, the American Liberty exactly. uh, Foundation was formed. Exactly. And that was a, that was to uh, again uh, be a signal to Butler that they had you know he had their support should he go wrong along with this plot. Now, people will say, well, one question that comes up is, well, if Roosevelt knew about this plot and knew these guys were behind this, 
why not expose it? Why not? Uh, why not throw their ass in jail? Why not have trials? We got to remember again. This was very turbulent time. This right. was there were not only plots on the right. Uh, from yeah. uh, you got Roosevelt stacking the court over here. He's yeah. kind of busy trying to. Well, right. He 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 wants his plan. He's trying to right. save the country from a depression. Yeah. You got people rioting in the streets. Mm-hmm. You've got. You also have a very strong movement on the left. You've got uh, Huey Long, who was running left of, of Roosevelt. You had a, a growing uh, Communist Party here in the United States. You had a growing Socialist Party here in the United States. So Roosevelt was kind of playing, you know, he was kind of in the middle, even though the, the, the uh, conservatives felt that he was being, uh, you know, he had communist leanings and was going too far to the left. The people on the left... Didn't think he was going far enough? Didn't think he was going far enough. They thought they saw him as part of this elite. You know, he's Roosevelt from New York. Well, said, and, you know, again, I, I said it five times on so far. It's history repeating itself. Right. People on the left, we have President Obama. People on the left are very displeased because they do not see him as being on the left. You know, mm-hmm. he, he is not, to them, one of them. And, that, and that's a little bit of what... Well, Roosevelt was facing it on a much greater scale. And it's um, funny when you talk about you could make the comparison. Uh, I was reading where the there was a major effort by these the same group um, to paint Roosevelt at, uh, at the time to try to find some um, support in his. Uh, in his family background and ancestry to prove that he was of Jewish descent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just reminded me of the birther movement and, you know, how Obama's a Muslim and all of that. But, uh, just, uh, you know, kind of history repeating itself, like you said. Roosevelt used to tell a joke. Um, there was a joke that President Roosevelt used to tell. And uh, and he said one day he, he went and he saw a uh, businessman pick up a newspaper look at it and throw it in the trash and he said why would you buy a newspaper and not even read it mm-hmm. he said every day I buy a news he said every day I buy a newspaper he said the only thing that I need to see is a front page and see if that son of a bitch has died and he <laughs> said who is that and he said that's you Mr. President <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he Roosevelt had a lot of enemies, and like I said both on the left and the right. But this is a scary part of American history that you don't really you don't you don't learn about it in school, and um, but it is there in the congressional record, um, and it was a, a very scary time. Of course, um, it failed. Um, fortunately for us, uh, the United States uh, did not go down that path. Uh, years later, retired Representative John McCormick, uh, he was a former Speaker of the House, and he was a chairman of the mccormick Dixon Congressional Committee, the, Anna, uh, the Un-American Activities Committee. He was quoted saying, I quote, If the late Major General Smedley Butler of the U.S. Marine Corps had not been a stubborn devotee to democracy, Americans today could conceivably be living under an American Mussolini, Hitler, or Franco. And, and here's what I find very interesting about this, Timmy. These people didn't give a rat's ass about the Constitution. 
No, not at all. And and you know what? They didn't even care about um, political philosophy. They didn't care if it was fascism or communism. Well, they did care. Well, they did care. They They picked fascism because it benefited them. But but my point is, they just wanted to be in control. They wanted to be in power. Whatever you wanted to call it, it's fine as long as they were calling the shots and it was serving their interests. Exactly. And had it been socialism or communism or democracy, whatever, as long as it's serving their interests. But they had to show that they had to. They didn't care about it. Um, they picked three forms. You got you know your three basic forms of government was socialism, um, democracy, and well, you can have socialism and democracy. But, but capitalism and socialism or communism yeah. and, uh, and fascism. And they chose fascism because that was what was going to give them more power. That was what was going to benefit them. That was going to. And, 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 and like you said, this was a time before we really saw the ugly side of fascism, right. or we were maybe just beginning to see it. What, what they could sell to the American people was Germany's at full employment. Yeah. Of course, everybody was in the army. Yeah, you know, exactly. But. Italy's at full employment. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that's, this is how we can sell that. This of course, they can't win a war to save their lives. But. Or they don't know, you know, at that point there wasn't, a lot, uh, there wasn't you know, uh, much information out in the general American public about what were, you know, how minorities were being treated, how the, the yeah. Jewish people Well, were you didn't get to the death camps. You didn't right, get to right. The, um, and uh, and Hitler, Hitler was, Hitler did not like fascism. You know, it, it's funny because we, the average American, I think, when you say, you know, and, and People want to call Bush, our last president, Bush, a fascist mm. um, because of his, uh, the Patriot Act, because of his, uh, you know, his, his really Cheney's abuse of power, I, mm-hmm. I would say. They want to call uh, President Obama a communist or a socialist, and they don't have a good understanding of what those things are because Hitler did not like fascism. Mm-hmm. Hitler was, but he didn't like communism. What Hitler Hitler had no real political ideology other than I am controlling everything. Correct. You know, I'm controlling everything. And really, what this thing came down to was kind of a, a of a fascist character, but it was it was more of just going to be a dictatorship. That's what mm-hmm. it was going to be. And it was going to be run by the elite. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said, uh, they got there. They, it took them a while. And you know, it could be argued they they've been in control all along. But with uh, Citizens United, they they pretty much got. And now they can just they just buy their leaders. Now they just buy the people. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's I go a little bit off tangent here, but I, I think that you know if you, if you want to fix one thing in our country, and and, and I have uh, said this before, we 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 keep saying that we are moving towards socialism. Well, we started moving towards socialism when we started redistributing the wealth of the taxpayer to companies that fight foreign wars. I mean, what do we spend? Six trillion dollars in Iraq? Mm-hmm. Halliburton, Blackwater, place like that. How much money did they make? Yeah, I mean, we redistributed wealth. That, that's we 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 do socialism in reverse. Reverse that's socialism. What we do. It's reverse socialism is what we do. Look what we do when the banks fail. You know, we we socialize when when companies are very very large, Timmy, and are so, hurt, and then they they're hurting. We socialize their losses, mm-hmm. but when they start making money, we go straight back to straight capitalism. Yeah, you know? it's capitalism of convenience. Yeah, 
Okay, well, this got, this episode got a little bit more political than we normally get, but uh, it's I, again, I think it's a fascinating topic, and it's a um, topic that is you you're not going to learn about in school, and unfortunately, you know, again, this guy uh, General Butler was a hero, and like you said, there should be schools named after him. There should be cities named after him. Uh, his name should be on, you know, his face should be on the $20 bill. But um, I don't think you're ever going to see that because um, he did not play ball with the right people. But, you know, to me, he just said something to me kind of interesting. He said we got a little bit more political. But I think that maybe that's part of the problem with our with our country today. Because they mentioned Huey Long mm-hmm. in there. They mentioned Huey Long. And Huey Long was not, Huey Long was a populist. Huey Long was the guy who said, bring Standard Oil down here and I will whip their ass. And -hmm. that's exactly what he did. Standard Oil wanted to run Louisiana. And he said, I'll whip their ass. Well, he did. Every man a king. Every man a king. And and what we have, the takeaway from this for every American should be whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a member of the Tea Party, whatever. There are people who are hoarding and collecting power that can take away your constitutional benefits. They can shred the Constitution in a minute. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're a Tea Party. It doesn't matter if you're a Socialist. It doesn't matter what you are. We have people, especially through Citizens United, hoarding wealth. And they are not acting in your interest. And and this goes back, like you said, it, it's not a, a left or right a left or right issue. It shouldn't be. We all should be concerned about an open and free democracy, and a fair democracy. A fair democracy. And um, uh, rulings like Citizen United, whether it's uh, them giving billions of dollars to uh, the Republican side or billions of dollars to the left or a Democratic side doesn't really matter They're, they are uh, it, it, what it's doing is perverting the, our democracy and a true democracy to be healthy um, to, to strive it has to be fair and it has to be fair on both sides and it can't be tainted by um, special interests, which is you know is is the condition we find ourselves in today. Well, and if and one of the big things that come up all the time now is um, not so much, but you know, it came up forever is the Keystone Pipeline. Right now, you got the Keystone Pipeline. You got the Koch brothers who you know look to make a lot of money off this Keystone Pipeline. Whether you're for or against the Keystone Pipeline, personally, it doesn't really matter. What does matter with Citizens United is, do you think the, the Koch brothers ascribed to any political ideology? Their, no. their own special interests. What they will have is they tell the Republican candidate, because Congress is basically with Citizens United, basically Congress, and, and I believe this to be a truth, that congressmen run for two years. Um, you know, they were set up to reflect the mood of our country, you know, so they had short terms. But with the fact that they have to raise money all the time, that's all they do. Right. Now, if the Koch brother comes to you and says, I need you to vote for this Keystone Pipeline, and you're a Republican, and the Republican says, you know, that's running right through the water supply, right above the water supply of my 
area, I cannot vote for this. They will just look at you and say, well, then the Democrats get into $2 million. Or your primary opponent. Or your primary opponent, whoever. They don't care. Right. And, and it makes people um, not act in their, in their uh, the people that are supposed to represent best interest because they need the money. They, it's a deal with the devil. They trade it off and they say, okay, maybe if I take the money. And, and I, I do believe that we have how many members in the House? 450, mm-hmm. something like that. I believe that if you ask them, probably 98% of them would like to see some kind of campaign finance reform. Because yeah. they, they they want to be running the country. They don't want to be out there campaign raising money all the time. time. And I think, for the most part, people want to do uh, want to do good. But, like you said, they make a deal with the devil. Okay, I can't. if I'm not here, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Right. right. So I'll, I'll go along with this. In order to stay, stay in power, I'll vote for this bill exactly. so that I can, you know, so feed I, the hungry. So, or, I can get this, so I can get this dam built in my district right. that, I, that I desperately need. Yeah, you know. so, yeah exactly. Okay, so um, that's it for this edition of History Dweebs. Colonel, where can people find us? People can find us, number one, on iTunes. Look up History Dweeb. Listen to, subscribe to our channel, uh, and and review us. And and actually, you know, I I joke around a little bit, but what we'd really like to hear is what you really think. Even if you give us a low rating, give us a rating. Let us know. Let us know how we can improve. Yeah. Um, And uh, also on Facebook. Facebook, History Um, Dweebs. Yeah. um, And on our webpage, I mean, when you go to... When you see us on Facebook, it takes you to Libsyn um, to listen to the prob- to the to the program. You can then leave a comment if you like, and just say, you know, hey, I'm glad the the brown eyed devil wasn't here today. You know, <laughs> it shows a much better, I, I, more Colonel, less devil. You know, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. something like that. But it gives us a little fodder. Yeah, it gives us a little bit more evidence to. Uh, and it gives us ways. It, we like, you know, we've had people put in and. It, put, put comments in and it's impacted what we have put um, what shows we've done yeah you know, we, so if you want we, to hear something and the thing is we don't make money at this we don't do this for profits we don't have any real sponsors although maybe the Koch brothers will sponsor us now we are actually and, and we are we are fortunate we can say whatever we want because we're independently wealthy well, I don't know about that, but we <laughs> we don't we don't make any money at this. But what we would like is if you want to do, you know, we're not asking. We're never going to ask you for money. We're never going to advertise none of that. But what we would like, we would really appreciate if you want to do anything, leave us some comments because that's what we really like. That is currency to us. Yes, that is currency to us. Okay, we'll catch you next time on. And, and before we go, yeah, Daddy, I hope you're having a lovely afternoon. <laughs> You're a lovely woman. I hope you're having a good day, Mom. Talk to you all later on next time on History Dweebs. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 